So uh, recently Elon followed you yep. on Twitter. Yep. What's going on? Welcome back to The Observation. I'm back after a much needed vacation in Hawaii. I have a little bit of a tan, um, but I'm excited to be back in New York. And today I'm thrilled to have on the show a good friend of mine, national correspondent for Fox News, Bill Malugin, who's covered a wide range of topics, including mass shootings, uh, the French laundry debacle, <laughs> and um, most notably coverage down at the border. Um, mm -hmm. And Bill's had a crazy day. You've been yeah. going for about 14 hours. Been a long day. Been since the early morning hours, but good to see you. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so minute. good to see you. So thank you so much for taking the time. We're the last show of the day. We're after Hannity. We're like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the late night version. Yeah. <laughs> we're, so we're going to get a little bit more out there than, than Fox, but I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people may not know, and I was just thinking about this today. Mm. We've known each other almost 10 years. Yeah. It's been about a decade, right? Which is wild. Yeah. Time's flying. Yeah. I started my career in El Paso at KFOX. You yeah. were a student at NMSU. You were a journalism student, right? Yeah. Weren't you? Yeah. yeah. So that was that was 2013. So yeah. yeah, it's been about 10 years. Yeah. And how does that feel? Like such a journey from... Yeah. Uh, like looking back on it, it just feels like the time went by like that. In the moment, it felt kind of slow, like progressing through each year. But looking back on it now, it feels like it's been like three years, to be honest. Did you think that you were going to get to this level of success? Because I kind of felt like you always had that X factor about you. I don't know why. <laughs> it, I, like, it's it's what I always wanted, and I bet on myself. Yeah. And I knew I had the work ethic to do it. It's just would the talent catch up to it at some point? Because I started my career off with not the most confidence. I had to make my mistakes early on and kind of learn how things work and watch some of my role models and kind of learn in a smaller market like in El Paso and slowly work my way up the chain before I got comfortable enough. But did I think I was going to be in the position I am now 10 years ago? Absolutely not. Did I want to be? Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also feel like in those 10 years, and one of the reasons why I'm I feel like I didn't go the traditional route of what, what you did was I felt that media changed so much from 2013. Obviously, we had the 2016 election, which feels mm -hmm. like was a very big turning point for things like misinformation, mm -hmm. fake news, things like that, where mm -hmm. all of a sudden the media became almost like the villain yeah. of sorts. And how did the, how did you find that? Well, I mean, it, it might be accurate in some cases. I mean, there's been a lot of public distrust in media and a lot of people have lost faith in the media. And I understand that based off some of the things that have happened. But when it comes to my reporting, what I try to do is like when I'm at the border, for some instance, I try to make it to where there's no disputing what's going on because I'm just showing a mirror back to the country with our live shots and with our drones and showing you can't dispute some of the images we get, right? Yeah. I'm not going to stand there and say, you know, in front of an empty field, anonymous sources tell me that 500 people crossed illegally this morning. I'm going to show you live on our drone as it's happening that second, 500 people crossing the river that morning. And even when I was doing my investigative reporting, the entire motto I based my career off of basically is um, afflicting the comfortable and comforting the afflicted. Like I like going after people, powerful people who don't want light shown um, in certain areas. And that applies to what we're doing now um, at the border. Um, you know, for a long time, Fox was the only media outlet down there covering it consistently. Now the others have started kind of covering it within the last month or so. But it's a big story down there. 
whether or not you believe illegal immigration is a big issue or not, there's a lot of tentacles that come out of it, not just, you know, a humanitarian issue or border security, the amount of fentanyl pouring into the country now. Yeah. I mean, people our age, we all know at this point, somebody yeah. who's either OD'd on fentanyl died or, you know, a friend, family member, that sort of a thing. And it's just getting worse each year. So um, I understand the public distrust of the media, but the way we get that trust back is just by doing solid reporting that they can verify, they can see with their own eyes. And you let them decide. Like, I'm not out there saying everybody should think X, Y, and Z about the border. I literally just try to show the video, show them what's happening, and yeah. then they can take that information and run with it. Do, what do you find different compared to 2013? Is it just absolutely way, because you're already in El Paso, and now mm -hmm. you're not in El Paso. You were in El Paso recently, and then yeah. you're usually at Eagle Pass. Um, yeah, like, so. What have you seen the difference in the past 10 years? I mean, the numbers have just absolutely exploded through the, I mean, his all-time records across the board, mass illegal crossings, lowest deportations ever, um, most gotaways, um, most migrant deaths ever. So back in like 2013, 2014, that was the Obama administration. And people, a lot of people don't know this, but Obama deported more people than any other president recently. They yeah. called, some of his critics called him the deporter in chief. And he had his own um, immigration surge. It was a, a summer of unaccompanied children showing up. And that was a big story back then. Mm -hmm. But the numbers now, I mean, it's, when you have more than 200,000 people a month for 10 months straight coming across, not even including the gotaways, those are astronomical numbers. Like just since October 1st, since the new fiscal year started, there have been over 700,000 migrant encounters at the border. That's just equivalent to a population of the city of Boston coming across in just over like a little over three months. It, it's absolutely insane. I saw this video that you posted, or it was on, on one of your clips, and it basically was, you were talking to some of the people that were crossing, mm -hmm. and it seemed not arduous. It, feel, it felt like people were just kind of walking through, yeah. and you were saying, is the border open or closed? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, it's open. Uh, it's open, it's open. Yeah, and everyone, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm again, I'm not trying to paint a show on immigration in any way either. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I want to have conversations about things that are happening. And this feels to be one of the biggest topics at the moment that people mm -hmm. aren't discussing. And I feel like people our age maybe are even tuned out to television. So maybe it's the older generation that's mm -hmm. tuned into this and, and why I wanted to talk with you about mm -hmm. it so much. But um, it feels like immigration used to be a hot button issue. Mm -hmm. You were for a long time the only person even covering it. How does that feel? Do you feel like you're just, sometimes you feel... Like rewarded by that coverage or do you feel like no one cares or now people are finally finally caring? It, it, it was a weird feeling when crazy stuff would be happening down there. Like, for instance, we were the first ones at the thousand, those 15,000 Haitians under the bridge in Del Rio in summer of 21. And we were the only media down there for days. Yeah. And then the others started showing up like in situations like that. It is baffling as to what takes so long to cover it. But I mean, it was. 2016, immigration was a huge part of the election cycle, right? That's what Trump based his entire candidacy off was build the wall and yeah. securing the border and that sort of a thing. And yeah, I mean, it's it's under this administration, the priority it has felt like really hasn't been at the border. And the numbers reflect that. I know they keep saying that the border is closed and secure, but look, if we're calling a spade a spade, the numbers don't reflect that, right? When you have over 2.7 million encounters in a single year, yeah. Um, I mean, that's and that's not in, including Godaways. Yeah. And uh, it's yeah, the numbers are just astronomical right now. And the, the crazy part is it just keeps going up like yeah. it hasn't plateaued. Like 
2021, 1.7 million. 2022, 2. Point, uh, it was like 2.4, 2.7 million. Now we're on track this year to possibly hit like 3 million or higher. So it just, they keep breaking their own records. And the question is, when is it going to stop? Because I'm sure you've heard all the news and the drama about Title 42, which yeah, is what yeah, they're yeah. using to like expel migrants. Mm-hmm. And it keeps the, low, the numbers uh, a little bit lower. Once that drops, yeah. I mean, then you're going to have a huge rush of people on the border. So We'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. That's expected to possibly go away this springtime. Insane. Um, I, I think it's a little interesting, too. On, on the left, you hear a lot about that the people co- you know, coming across are mother and like children. Mm-hmm. And on the right, it's terrorists. Mm-hmm. And surely it can't be both. But maybe there's mother mm-hmm. terrorists, I don't know, walking across the border. But you know, what is the actual sentiment? Who are these people that are coming across? Because it feels like the country is divided on who this person is, who this... It's a mixed bag of everything. A large majority of the people are decent people looking for work and for better jobs and to meet up with family, but that's not asylum. U.S. has strict asylum laws. You have to show a reasonable fear, a legitimate fear of persecution in your home countries. Mm-hmm. Wanting to come here for work or for a better job or because you don't like the home country or the weather is bad or some, wanting to see your family here, that's not legitimate asylum. And A lot of the big groups that we show on TV, the people turning themselves in by the hundreds are those folks, people simply looking for a better life. That's why they turn themselves in. They're expecting to be released into the country. They they don't think they're going to get deported. I mean, who's going to go turn themselves in if they, oh, you know what? I'd love to sit in a jail cell for a a few weeks and then get deported at the end. No, they think they're going to get a court date and get released into the country. While that is happening, there's another tentacle of this. So border agents, when these groups of several hundred come across, they got to show up and do all this paperwork and processing and essentially be social workers for these hundreds of people. And that pulls agents off the front lines. And when that happens, the gotaways, the evaders, they all slip through. And like the last few months alone, each month has had more than 70,000 gotaways. Those are the criminals. Those are the guys dressed in camouflage, wearing carpet on their shoes to mask their footprints. There have been 98 people on the the FBI's terrorist watch list arrested at our border. There's been over 1.1 million gotaways since Biden took office. So how many more of those criminals or potential terrorists, whatever you want to call them, bad actors are in that group that got away? We'll never know because they were never caught. Yeah. I think there's another interesting thing, too, about the coverage down at the border where and just overall sentiment. I remember, you know, I had a college job down in Las Cruces and I remember someone coming in one time and speaking Spanish, saying that they were going to come back later, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing that we understood Spanish. And that mm-hmm. we, we and, and we were like, why are you going to come back later? And they just walked out of the, the yogurt shop that I was working at and mm-hmm. totally left. Um, you would hear other stories sometimes of 30 bodies found in a ditch mm-hmm. um, close to Las Cruces or right, so, right side out um, in Ciudad Juarez, mm-hmm. like right across the border. Yep. I feel like those stories, if it was a different country, if that was Canada, if that was somewhere else, you would hear that on the news. Mm-hmm. For some reason, our, our, our government doesn't find it important, but they mm-hmm. find Ukraine important. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, it just doesn't feel like it gets the coverage of these lives don't matter mm-hmm. quite as much as, as anything else. And the cartel, I don't know what it is, but it's always shocking to me that the cartels basically just run shit. Yeah. And there's, there's really no coverage of 30 bodies buried in a ditch. Are you yeah. kidding me? That's a, that's insane. Well, and look at what just happened in Mexico just a few days ago. The Mexican yeah. government launched that operation to capture El Chapo son, Ovidio Guzman. Yeah. Black Hawk helicopters shooting machine gun that. tracers down at cartel convoys. Planes, civilian aircraft on the tarmac at Culiacan Airport getting shot at by the cartel, ambushes, 30 people dead, 10 soldiers, 19 cartel members. And President Biden's in Mexico right now, and it's been 
basically like radio silence. Like Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, said there's not going to be any policy change in terms of like going after the cartels more or crack down. The Mexicans said the same thing. So there's this huge shootout, this huge war between the Sinaloa cartel and the Mexican government. And the Sinaloa cartel is one of the ones primarily pushing the fentanyl into the country along with CJNG. And there's not really a change in posture on either side of the border. It's it's mind blowing to me. I like what is your honest feel of why the administration gets to pick and choose and like cherry pick which what items it feels important on when that feels seemingly one of the largest pieces of news that have come out recently. I I honestly don't know. Um, I you have to have like some sort of you just are you just the I mean. Democrats like Representative Henry Cuellar of Texas who have like talked to the White House and they tell us that they feel the White House is essentially being influenced by immigration activists. Mm -hmm. Like the White House isn't calling the shot. It's not President Biden calling the shots. It's like immigration activists in the White House calling the shots for him. And like even the same thing about DHS Secretary Mayorkas. Like a lot of the Border contacts I talked to say he's a really smart guy with a law enforcement background who knows how to do the job. They're just not letting him do the job. Mm. And whether or not all of that is true, I don't know. I don't have any White House contacts. They're not the biggest. <laughs> they fan. Like They're you? not the biggest fans of me. But um, yeah, to answer your question, I I honestly don't know. That the White House thing brings me up brings up uh, this the article that was written about you. Was it was it the AP? What it was Politico. It was Politico. Yeah. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on how you feel about how you've been portrayed by the White House. It says that you have a growing presence online, um, but uh, you're increasing. There's an increasingly frustration with his on-air coverage, arguing that there is an alarmist quality to it. How do you feel about that? They say my coverage is alarmist. I say what's happening at the border is alarming. It, that's literally the fact. They don't like the fact that we're using drones to pull back the curtain on what's happening down there. They can say whatever they want and launder their comments through a media outlet. That's fine. Um, they're not going to stop us from covering it. Um, love, love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, went, went in on you. How, how does it feel now to be kind of like, it's always funny too, in, in, in journalism school, they teach you never to become the news. Mm-hmm. But then once you kind of get so far in your career, you mm-hmm. inevitably do become the news in some way. Um, how does it feel to sort of be covered in that way? It was, I mean, it was weird because the way they wrote it, you'd think I'm standing out there saying <laughs> President Biden is the worst president ever. And the, yeah, you know, he needs to, to, be, he needs to be impeached or something. I've never said yeah. anything of the sort. All we do is we go out there and show what's happening. And what was even weirder was the day after that article aired, they did a follow up where they're like, uh, a Democratic source reached out to us and said, we missed the best part about Bill Malugin. He used to go by Billy, and when he was in college, he worked at an Abercrombie & Fitch store. <laughs> and then they pull an interview that I gave to like the ASU school newspaper in 2010, where I evidently gave a quote where I was like, yeah, I was like studying for break, and recruiters came up to me and said they liked my look and wanted to hire me. From like, what does that have to do with anything? I have absolutely no idea. But Politico felt it was uh, important to... Uh, to put in the next day from a democratic source. So <laughs> that I used to go by Billy and worked at uh, Abercrombie and Fitch well, in why college. Why is Billy notable? I, I think you should go by William. I think William's uh, such a nice that's name. That's what my mom says when I'm in trouble as a kid. No. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, yeah it's, it's too late now. No, you've already established your name. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Uh, that is funny. <laughs> Billy. Yeah. I did not know that. Yes. Um, so, okay. So back to the border. I know you're, <laughs> you've been cranking border stuff all day, but yeah. Biden just visited the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was discussed that basically it was, 
it was turmoil down there and it, very quickly within a week everything was pretty much cleaned yeah. up and and buttoned up when he was down there and he he actually didn't visit some of the main entry points mm -hmm. he, where, where was he exactly visiting he basically started off at a port of entry yeah there's not really anything happening at the port of entry that's where legal crossings happen via vehicles and pedestrian traffic yeah. all the illegal crossings are between the ports of entry yeah. under the bridge in the river of course. <laughs> Over 200,000 people a month. He didn't go there. Uh, he didn't see any migrants. He didn't speak to any migrants. He went to a migrant assistance center run by El Paso County where magically there wasn't a single migrant there that day. Yeah. Then he went down to the border wall to take a look at a part of the wall that has like no action whatsoever. He didn't go look where there's holes in the wall where people are sneaking through and running across traffic and disappearing. He didn't go down to the river where the Texas National Guard is posted up with concertina wire now because they feel they have to do the federal government's job mm -hmm. he didn't go to the central processing center where like a thousand migrants are being held yeah he didn't go anywhere where you would actually learn something about what's happening down there it was obviously a very controlled calling it what it is it was a photo, yeah, op, a photo op you know yeah. that's what it was yeah so. sad um so you know the border towns i feel like are the ones that are hit the most and somehow never talked about we totally discard those americans who mm -hmm. Are, their farms are affected. Can you talk a little bit about the Americans and the people that are, are being affected at the border? Yeah, so we talk to a ton of people who live down there, whether it's ranchers or people who have property up by the border wall, and all of them are dealing with all sorts of stuff, whether it's a chance of a human smuggler bailing out in their front driveway or people running through their alley in the middle of the night or people dying on their property yeah. or, or people just running through all over the place. Um, and it's bipartisan. People are ticked off. Like, I mean, we have we have... South Texas is a predominantly Democrat blue area. Yeah. And we have people who come up to us when we're down there and they say, hey, um, you know, we don't typically watch Fox News, but they shake our hands and they're like, hey, thank you guys for being down here and covering this. Yeah, wow. um, so, yeah, I mean, it's ranch owners down there always having their fences broken and cut into their livestock get out. They find bodies on their property, property damage. Um it, it, it And the, the other thing is, like, it's not just along the line of the border. Like, this stuff goes inland quickly with, with the human smuggling. Like, in San Antonio, that's, like, hundreds of miles inland. And this last June, I mean, 53 migrants were found dead in a trailer outside San Antonio. And they all literally cooked to death like they were in an oven because the smugglers left there. Like, all this stuff goes inland. The fentanyl goes inland. It doesn't just stay at the border. And... Uh, people living in interior cities in like the Midwest or the East Coast or whatever may feel like the border is super far away from them and doesn't have anything to do with them. But now it's like literally being brought to their doorstep yeah. when you have like Governor Abbott busing migrants here. Yeah. And then you've got fentanyl going all across the country. So the longer it goes on, the more it's just going to yeah. keep, you know, spreading through the country. I totally agree with that. I think people have been able to look away for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, you grew up in California, I grew up in Arizona in moved to New Mexico later on, but I, I remember one time uh, my dad was driving me and my brother to school and we got rear-ended by um, an illegal immigrant and obviously had no insurance mm -hmm. and like dad got pretty banged up. Everyone was fine, of course, but um, it was, you know, there, there are situations like that that you come across all the time and then the, the American, the person that is just trying to live their normal life here and, yeah. and operate cannot really do so or, and it puts the bill for that. Yeah. And it, it basically... It's, it's unfortunate, and I, and I hate to, like, make it political, but it, mm -hmm. it, it, it's hard not to – it's happening to everyone. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter who our political affiliation of driving to school, you know, yeah. that immigrant is going to affect anyone living down there. And mm -hmm. these people who don't live in Arizona, didn't live in New Mexico, haven't worked in Texas – 
they don't get that. But now, sadly, you know, I've had a friend in the past year that passed away from a, a fentanyl related mm-hmm. uh, death. And uh, it, it's really sad to see. And it's going to start affecting yeah. a lot of the uh, the um, East Coast or the Midwest. Yeah. Um, well, think yeah. about when we were in college, like yeah. the NMSU or the ASU days, that sort of thing. Like kids were popping Adderall all the time, studying for tests. They totally. didn't know what they were taking. They didn't know the milligrams of anything. People were sharing stuff. All the, these days, like you're dead if you do that. Yeah. You have no idea what you're getting. I yeah. It, it, in one decade, I mean, it's. I yeah, I would I wouldn't touch anything. Not yeah, that I do, need, but yeah. I I I even saw something recently too. I saw it on Twitter. It was someone had put um, like a sign on a bathroom, mm-hmm. and it was like you know obviously don't do cocaine in the bathroom, but if you do, we have fentanyl test strips available at the bar. Available at the bar. That's crazy. Which I was like. Kind of shout out to the bar, honestly, yeah. no, because it's, it's like bar, save yeah. lives. There must have been something that happened. And yeah. they're like, you know, people are going to do this regardless. And if you are, at least maybe we can help them in some way. You know, you yeah. can't really stop people from doing drugs um, necessarily. But my God, like what is happening to people is insane. Like, yeah. especially in New York, I wouldn't trust anything here or or anywhere. Yeah. Not, you know, not yeah. not to be advocating for drugs on the, on the pod, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it is that scary and yeah. it was not like that. And now no, more places are starting to keep Narcan on hand. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what do you, what do you find is like the remedy for this? What is the, what is, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that there is one because I think everyone's been trying to solve this for so long, mm-hmm. but what do you feel like would be a solution? Well, it's going to sound cliche because everybody says it, but like, Nothing will ever change unless Democrats and Republicans come up with some sort of legislation. In the meantime, a Band-Aid approach, you have to take away what what are called pull factors, like what's bringing people here in these big numbers. And number one, that's mass catch and release. Like, I mean, the people are showing up in such big numbers because they know if they step foot on U.S. soil, soil, they got a pretty good chance of being released into the country because our system is so overwhelmed. I mean, our immigration court backlog is in the millions. Like, people are getting court dates three, four, five years down the road. um, And deportations are at their lowest levels ever. So, I mean, if I was a migrant in some country with no job, I'd I'd probably do the same thing. And until you take the pull factors away or change enforcement mechanisms or pass some sort of legislation that allows a legal pathway for people to come here and secures the border at the same time, nothing is going to change. And I feel like, you know, both sides, obviously, within the last couple of decades have used the border as a political football at certain points. Mm-hmm. But now we're, we're at a point we've never been at in history with the numbers and how bad it's gotten. So um, something's got to change soon. Hopefully the fact at least, I mean, obviously it, it was seemed to be a photo op, but at least he finally went down there. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time in his career. So at least just going down is a start. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll just kind of we'll kind of have to see. But at the same time, maybe they feel that, um, you know, the Democrats perform much better in the midterms than they thought they were going to. And maybe they feel that it's not that big of an issue to voters and they don't have to make a bunch of changes, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be following along. I mean, my family also, my parents were just like, we love Bill's coverage. Just please tell him we said hello. Tell him we- thank you. <laughs> Hi, Aubrey's parents. <laughs> my mom was like, make sure you say it. I was like, all right, mom. <laughs> um, okay, I want to just a little bit background on like what it's like to work at Fox and, okay. and what your experience, you have any crazy stories at Fox or in your in like reporting that you feel like was a moment that sort of made you and put you on the map? Um. I wouldn't say there was any like one story that that elevated my profile. I mean, it was like because you've been just chugging along. First of all, yeah. I want to say I want to go back to your 
work ethic uh-huh. unparalleled has <laughs> been you. just chugging like thank the reporter you. grind is very hard and you have yeah. been chugging along for thank years you. and thank you th- yeah it's yeah. been kind of like it's a, not like you get one story and you're like on the map yeah but like no, is there it, something that yeah it was like a slow trickle over the years but like ob- the stories that got like the most like national reckoning obviously the french laundry with gavin newsome when yeah um we got those can you wait, can you just tell that story again for the people yeah so basically it was during the height of covid and california had all these strict like lockdown rules and stay i forget it was like lockdown or stay at home yeah, or like out, outdoor dining all those covid rules were going on yeah. and it was before thanksgiving and gavin newsom had, had like a press conference telling people like all the here's what you need to do on thanksgiving like avoid having this many people indoors like wear a mask there was even guidance from the california um uh that said <laughs> it was take like in, in between b- in between bites. bites but yeah so crazy stuff like that so was going stupid. on and he's telling people like social distance yeah. for thanksgiving and be careful and this that and then um, a source gave us photos of Gavin Newsom at the French Laundry uh, eating dinner in a crowded indoor room with a bunch of like healthcare lobbyists and executives and cal- officials from the California Medical Association, if I remember correctly. So awful. Indoors, like doing exactly what he had just told Californians not to do. And um, I remember when um, <laughs> he when we like, if I remember correctly, because it was like, two and a half years ago now when we reached out Crazy, to by the way. <laughs> when we reached out to his office they were trying to say that it was an outdoor yeah an outdoor dinner and it's like oh how many outdoor dinners have you been to where there's a chandelier above your head <laughs> you know yeah, I, I mean exactly. it, so uh, obviously that story blew up and it was kind of the, the beginning of those hypocrisy stories we then mm-hmm. saw like nancy pelosi getting her hair done and then like people and forget who it was in chicago did something and then an la county supervisor sheila kuehl went to dinner just hours after she voted to ban outdoor dining yeah and there was, you know yeah the so pelosi haircut there the was pelosi haircut yeah so it was just like wave after wave of hypocritical stories but the the friend laundry one is probably like the biggest, one the biggest national one yeah um yeah that, that was that was pretty funny when are you gonna get out of california bill i feel like that's not your place i don't i mean i was born and raised in socal but down in orange county not la i know but the so, i mean but the thing is i'm never in california <laughs> yeah. these days i'm always in texas or you know so just in um, terms of the state and its climate i feel like you gotta you gotta move to texas feels like you spent half of your year in texas weren't you yeah yeah pretty much um i don't know how I got, does that feel though like do you feel like you can maintain a personal life and it's do it's tough it's tough i mean the the social life has taken a hit, but like the way I look at it is I'm young, single with no family, like one time in my life, if I'm ever going to do this job with this kind of traveling and going all over the place, now's the time to do it because down the road, that, op- that option may not be available anymore. So totally. I love what I do. It makes the time go by quick. It's a grind for sure. Um, but like, I've always wanted to be a correspondent for Fox. That's always been my goal since I was younger. I love where I work, who I work with. They all have my back. Um, I've got no complaints and you know, even if the social like takes a hit a little (laughs) bit, it's all good. Um, as long as you love what you do, it's all worth it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, you met some of your coworkers, I guess, colleagues for the first time this week since you flew to New York. So that's what you were doing today. Yeah. So I've been working out of Fox's New York bureau and it's the first time I've been in the building since 2014, back when you and I (laughs) were in like El Paso. Yeah. So it's, been like eight or nine years so it's the first time i've had a chance to meet a lot of these people face to face who i'm hearing in my ear talking to me every day for hundreds of live shots so uh it's been really cool it's an awesome building it's huge it's it's like whoa yeah (laughs) you know and everybody's so awesome in person um favorite person at fox 
Don't want to make you pick someone. Uh, favorite person at fought. <laughs> you know, like the, the the two anchors that I like watch the most and admire the most are uh, Brett Bear and Trace Gallagher. Mm, um, Trace is in my great. bureau in LA, and then Brett is in uh, our DC, DC bureau. Yeah. I, I honestly, I love everybody at Fox, but those I I watch Trace a lot. He's in our LA bureau now, and he he's he's just a master at his craft. And then Brett is so good on the Special Report show. Totally. But it's I mean it's hard to pick. I honestly yeah. everybody there is so good, and their anchors are reporters for a reason there because they're pretty damn good at their job and um i i argue fox is the best at it yeah so so uh, recently elon followed you yep on twitter yep what's going on i don't know i mean he started a couple months ago maybe like two or three months ago just like replying to my my border post when i would post like rent you know some of yeah. the more crazy videos from the border and he'd start replying like wow or whoa that's crazy or how is this happening and like he started commenting more and more and then um he just started following me one day and I was like, whoa. And now he's now he's still, whenever we post some of our craziest videos, he replies and is like, why isn't, why isn't this getting more coverage? Or he replies, wow, in some way. And like, whenever he replies to something, the, the engagement on it shoots up like a missile. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, apparently he's got some interest in, in the border. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so interesting. So, what yeah. is your, what are your thoughts on Elon? I, I mean, he freak, he's freaking brilliant. I mean, no one can deny that. Um, he's obviously, you know, in the middle of the news cycle almost every day now because of when he bought Twitter. But even before the Twitter purchase, like every, everything with SpaceX, I watched that Netflix documentary on him and like how close he was to failure. I think he was like one launch away from losing all his money with it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's regardless of what you think about his politics or him, like the drive he has. And he's clearly clearly knows what he's doing to have these <laughs> with Tesla and with SpaceX, yeah. that sort of a thing. So um, I'll leave his politics for, for other people to dissect, but um, cl clearly a brilliant guy. And if he wants to come down to the border with us sometime, open invitation. <laughs> yeah. Elon, come down to the border, come yeah. check it out. Yep. Go with Bill. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I, uh, so have you guys talked at all or no, you? we've never like DM'd or anything. I haven't met him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just been him like replying to some cool. tweets. Well, but. we'll have to figure out a way to get him down there. Yeah. yeah. yeah that'd, that's be, awesome. that'd be cool. Huh? All right, Phil, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks and uh, we'll have to have you back out next time Absolutely. you're in New York. Absolutely. We'll be back next time. Good luck and Godspeed.